1: Omni is a design firm here on the South Side. They've had a hand in many greenscape projects from San Francisco to Philadelphia to the Cayman Islands, but they're also doing work right here in Bronzeville. We'll dive into the importance of their work both at a larger scale and at the neighborhood level. We're joined now by Molly Meyer, CEO and founder of Omni Ecosystems, and Mike Repkin, its director of research and development. Molly, before we get into Omni's work, let's talk about sustainability in this neighborhood. Why would you choose to build Omni here in Bronzeville?
0: Right. Well, there's an incredible um, community that exists in Bronzeville, and it predated when we came to this community in 2019. Um, We're at the intersection of 41st and State Street. So if you just look at this two-block, one-block radius around 41st and State, you have Metcalf Park, which is the Chicago Park District Park, beautiful um, lawns and basketball courts and playground. You have Bronzeville Classical School, which is an incredible selective enrollment CPS school. Um, You also have uh, Robert's Temple, which is the site of Emmett Till's open casket. Um, And that's seeking to get a a national park status. So while I have a moment on that topic, I do encourage listeners to consider signing the letter to President Biden asking to um, make the Na- that a national park and they can find out more at tillnationalpark.org. Um, so you go around that intersection. And I just listed three of the four corners. This is a really robust community with beautiful and incredible assets. Yeah. But this block that we're on, this this southeast corner of that intersection, was really underutilized for 60 years and so our opportunity here was to say we want to build a future of what the built environment should be looking like what we believe it should look like in the next century for our our generation and our generation's kids
1: so for those who aren't familiar with Omni what's the work that you're doing
0: right so we as you mentioned before we integrate science and design to create more life so what that means is we try to think about how can we create functional or working landscapes. And so a functional landscape would be to call on what Karen mentioned before, a landscape that does more than just look beautiful, but it also provides co-benefits, such as stormwater management, um, clean air, habitat creation, biodiversity. Um, those are all ways in which a landscape can do more than just be beautiful.
1: Yeah. Your headquarters has its own green roof, which I've been telling folks about all hour. <laughs> um, so for those who have never seen one, describe what it actually looks like. What kind of plants
0: do you find on a green roof? Sure. So the green roofs that Omni Ecosystems creates are incredibly biodiverse and ultra lightweight. So um, that means that it can look like a park, a, a a city park, a national park—you name it. We've got a forest on this rooftop that it's we're at now. It's quite comfortable. Yes. <laughs> uh, typically, green roofs um, have uh, are a monoculture of sedum. That's not our approach. Um, we've we have taken a, a very scientific, a robust approach to soil science, such that we can get really diverse ecosystems in place. Because that's that's important. Because diverse ecosystems. Um, do more than monocultures, and they are resilient against additional um, climate change that we know is coming in the future. So I'm going to bring
1: you in now, Mike. We're going to dig uh, deeper into your work and your research with soil in just a bit. I see you've got a a box of goodies here. I I don't want to to see it yet. I don't want to be surprised. Um, But first, I I do want you to talk about the relationship between nature and architecture, right? So it's interesting because One thing is natural, right? And and the other is man-made. So how can these two things coexist in a positive way?
2: Funny you should mention it. So uh, we have a soil ecosystem that's up here, but, of course, we're on a roof. So when we talk about natural systems and we talk about architecture, we have to preserve the architecture, you know. So, Sasha, I'm going to give you a challenge. Okay. Oh, gosh. I hope I'm ready. Which is heavier?
1: Which is heavier? Okay, so I'm holding a jar Two of bottles. soil, okay, all right, this one, okay. Okay, the first one yes. <laughs> was way heavier. So,
2: so, that so tell folks spot. what I just held there. Yeah, so these were actually equally hydrated also, so, and if you look really closely, you can see that the normal soil is actually resisting the absorption of water. So
1: Our the mature. first
2: jar was, was what? First jar is just normal topsoil. So what we would expect, very heavy. If you put this onto a roof, not a good idea. Uh, Our material is, you know, when we look at a four-inch system, we're only looking at 15 pounds per square foot saturated. And uh, even with that, we can do amazing things in terms of stormwater management. We can grow almost anything. So... It's a very, very different thing that we're yeah. doing here.
1: Well, Molly mentioned this earlier, that the, the green roofs, like the ones that we're looking at right now, like, they're not just for aesthetics.
2: Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, also, what's exciting about this, we know we've been talking all day about communities. So, we grow communities right here in this building.
1: How so? <laughs> Mike is dipping into his so, so, once I'm again. Sasha, I'm glad you asked.
2: This so. for the listeners at home. So, <laughs> at, at, at day one, this is what things look like. This is... is somewhat a cross-section. Okay. Uh, You cannot see this through a microphone, but believe me, it's kind of bare. And then I want you to say hello to my little (laughs) friend.
1: So there's a lot more happening in this Right. At what point is this?
2: So So this is day one. Fairly quickly. So within a month, you can have something like that, or very soon. Yeah. So what you're seeing there is a very diverse microbial community. We have about 270 different species plus. We have things that... Uh, also photosynthesize. So Mm -hmm. we actually have a holiday here called Photosynthesis Day and right now that bottle is photosynthesizing. has light. has a lot more colors too. A lot more colors. Yeah. And uh, so that green is uh, producing oxygen. And on the other flip side, you have all sorts of microbes that are doing all sorts of things. In fact, some of the contaminants that we worry about that we were just talking about earlier in this uh, program we have the ability to degrade them on the roof and turn them into either CO2 and water mm-hmm. or actually microbial biomass. So taking some hazardous materials, we can actually assemble new things, new life.
1: Yeah, and, and help us understand more, Molly, the function of a green roof. Right.
0: Primarily, a a green roof functions to slow stormwater from entering combined sewer systems, such as what we have here in Chicago. And most East Coast, Midwestern cities in the the U.S. have combined sewer overflow. That's the primary function that drives most policy behind green roofs. Mm -hmm. But there's other areas that are getting more attention now, which is um, urban heat. Uh, urban areas are much hotter than the surrounding areas, yeah. and it's important to cool because the death rates can be, death and asthma rates can be so much higher as yeah. a result of Talk heat. more
1: about the, the ecological benefits here, because um, there, there are social benefits as well, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. So when you look at nature in general, be it on a green roof or landscapes on grade, we find that landscapes can do so much more than look beautiful. Again, yeah. they can reduce gun violence, they can reduce childhood asthma, and they can increase property values. So, just a brief anecdote uh, study on property values is that there's a 10% increase in property value with a tree a mature tree canopy. So, this is very important because when you look at the tree canopy across the city of Chicago, there's a um, Bronzeville has a 15% tree canopy, whereas the average across Chicago is over 23%. So, when we see of poor tree canopy there, it's hard not to also notice the correlation between lack of wealth mm-hmm. in this neighborhood where most black wealth is held in resident, their primary residence. Um, and those residences are on average less valuable, partly due to tree canopy.
1: hmm Are you seeing more efforts, Mike, to create green roofs around the world?
2: Absolutely. I mean, um, When we think back to something like 2004, 2005 versus now, it's a very different world in the green roof world. So they're uh, definitely being asked to do a lot more, definitely in the realm of stormwater management, Mm -hmm. food production, uh, habitat creation. Uh, So it's, it's a very different thing. The original green roof intent, when you look to Europe, was actually stormwater management and only stormwater management. And therefore, if the plants didn't really grow well, didn't kind of matter. Yeah. Whereas we're taking a very different approach here to look at how do we maintain plant health, how do we grow things? Uh, just about everything we've ever tried to grow on a roof that's, you know, climate appropriate, mm-hmm. has grown.
1: And Omni's taking off, taking on these projects both across the country and in the neighborhood. Talk about why it's important to work at both scales.
2: Well, I think that you know. We need to have everywhere on this planet, our biggest problem is simply devegetation. We need to revegetate. We need to do that all over. So therefore, we need to go into different places. Uh, almost every community in the United States of America has a problem because we've taken away all the vegetation. You know, imagine once upon a time, this place right here was a meadow, and it was stripped away. Yeah. Then we put a building. So we're kind of... Taking that building, putting a meadow back on. Mm-hmm. So we're bringing back something that existed that did a ton of functions. So, everywhere in the United States, everywhere in the world, anywhere you see human habitation, you have to have vegetation we don't live without it
0: yeah you're nodding there Molly you agree yes absolutely there's been uh, in the last 200 300 years there's been a huge decline in biodiversity across the world and in our own backyard and biodiversity there's so many positive externalities that come from having a robust diverse ecosystem around us Um, and so by committing to that here in Brownsville and everywhere else yeah. around the country where we can provide essentially our services and workforce development opportunities in each backyard. That's, um, that's really important because there's this global issue of biodiversity loss and big goals to try and get it rectified by 2050. But to create a nature-positive future, we all have to be working on it at, in our backyards and however that can contribute to the bigger picture.
1: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we're out of the studio today. We're broadcasting live from Omni Ecosystems in Bronzeville. Don't worry, it's inside, so we're not freezing right now. We're joined by our hosts, Molly Meyer, who's the CEO and founder of Ecos- Omni Ecosystems, and Mike Repkin, who's a director of research and development here at Omni. We're talking about the work and the research that they do and the importance of green roofs like the one that we see outside right now. Um, I'm going to throw in an audience question for you, Molly. Um, so talking about working in the neighborhood specifically. So we've got this question from Mira, wondering, when establishing a green space on the south side, how can we combat sound from Freight Yard Corridor?
0: Oh, that's a great question. They've been coming nice. with good questions Whew. this entire Whew. morning. Well, I'm going to have Repkin help me on this, too. But um, first, what we find is having really robust foliage, can uh, in in terms of a lot of variety can help a great deal. So not having a monoculture like sedum, which has one type of surface to the to the plant, it's a very um, similar surface. The second thing would be um, large plants, having large biodiverse plants, so trees, shrubs, anything that create a physical barrier can help sound attenuation. Um, Rapkin, do you have anything to add?
2: Yeah, actually, we had a sound attenuation project. It was nobody cared about the plants or anything else, but there was actually a studio. That,
0: WFYI. Yes. Yeah. Radio station. Okay. <laughs> what? What? Uh,
2: Indiana. <laughs> they had a problem because every time it rained, their roof was had a lot of metal, so mm-hmm. it was ping, 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 bing. So hey, we got to stop that. So how did they do that? They gave us a call. So uh, I remember the first broadcast that they did, right after we installed, they called us up. They were very happy. Yeah. There was no noise. So we can attenuate things like that. As far as what we're also doing here in Brownsville, CHIST, actually there's a bunch of team members in the back here in the audience uh, who did an awesome job. Awesome job. Yes. You know, CHIST planted an incredible amount of vegetation right here on 41st Street. We've had uh, something called the biennial. Uh, So it's a 21-foot setback for the year 2021. Yeah. Uh, We have a landscape team in in the house, too, that uh, put that together. And we started off with uh, some things that were annuals, but uh, we have a lot of perennials, and we've been growing things. We're actually creating seed right here in Bronzeville, right here on 41st Street. And uh, one one thing that would really be good for sound attenuation is something like switchgrass um, and also hedges. But there's an, an incredible number of switch plans. Yeah. <laughs> switchgrass plants out there. So it's incredible.
1: Another audience question, this one from Lisa again. Thank you, Lisa. This one is, how are you influencing new development in the third and fourth wards, like encouraging green roofs on planned commercial buildings, working with aldermanic offices to promote green residential scale projects, Increasing visibility of the 4th E, environment. Yes.
0: Well, we do everything we can, but um, we have a wonderful relationship with Alderman Dowell, who's been very supportive of our work and, um, in general, green space in this ward. We also have a wonderful relationship with our state senator, Lamont Robinson, who's been incredibly supportive of um, getting more green space in new projects around here. You know, we as... um, sometimes second and third tier consultants and vendors to projects aren't sitting at the table with ownership yeah. and so for us it's really important to have dialogue with policymakers so they can see that the te- technology and the design thinking that can make accessible um, functional and working landscapes is affordable Um, and so that they can be written into policy as a mandate because we are still so removed from the ownership table Mm -hmm. uh, that it's hard to make change on the projects unless we get asked to quote or to provide services. Yeah, you are
1: working to plant more trees on this block. We've got a question from a listener here that says there are very few steps that need to be taken to plant trees in neighborhood parkways. The bigger setback is maintenance. Why are we not going out there and planting low-maintenance plants
0: already? Good question. The suggested trees from the City of Chicago for street um, street trees are relatively low maintenance okay. um, but we're trying to also not stick with just one tree if we have a monoculture across the city then it, it's not resilient to loss such as from the emerald ash borer mm-hmm. which is decimating a large amount of the tree canopy here in Chicago so it's a catch-22 but um, there's organizations like open lands tree keepers which help train um, folks in the community you can learn by going right now and sign up for their program how to manage um, and maintain trees on your block so that it, we don't have to rely entirely on the city of Chicago. We got
1: just a couple minutes here. I know we heard earlier from Naomi Davis with Blacks and Green. She is Omni certified using your soil.
0: How are you expanding the number of people who can use your soil? We have made a huge commitment to do so in the last year, but partly it's through outreach and connecting with contractors here in Chicago as well as across the country. But we started the program six years ago and have a couple dozen contractors who are in the certification process, but right now it's really about um, just getting the word out and highlighting our Omni-certified providers. So we're putting out special social media blasts to highlight the work that they've done to try and encourage some of their um, colleagues and competitors to sign up too. Yeah, and I mean, you're
1: helping design greenscapes for for Lincoln Yards as well. That's a riverfront development that's between uh, Lincoln Park and Bucktown. The Salt District What are you looking forward to with those upcoming projects?
0: The Salt District is an incredible project because you can go enjoy a concert there and not realize that there's this incredibly robust ecosystem right along the river that is managing more than the city's requirement of stormwater all through plants and soils. Um, So it's this wonderful way to say these new technologies do not have to look newfangled, and they do not have to cost a lot. We actually saved the client on that. Thirty-five percent on yeah. our contract costs. And,
1: and I mean, before we go, drive the point home for us, Mike. Why is it important to study soil?
2: Well, we all depend on it yeah. every day. You know, uh, without it, we're not going to exist. Yeah. And. Uh, w- There's been points in history where, you know, we've kind of destroyed everything, then we try to conserve it, Mm -hmm. and then we're back to, like, hey, wait a minute, to the point earlier, we've got 8 billion people. We need a lot of soil. We need to be able to grow more soil. Uh, We can grow more soil right here in Bronzeville, and, you know, we can turn every. Acceptable roof into a space where food can be made. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yes, it would.
1: (laughs) We'll have to leave it there. Mike Repkin and Molly Meyer of Omni Ecosystems. Thank you. This episode of Reset was produced by Micah Yason and Linnea Dominic, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather. Enjoy having Reset anytime you like? Then subscribe to our podcast. We share conversations like this every day of the week for you to listen to on your commute, when you're cooking, or when you just want to learn something new. And when you subscribe, leave us a rating. That really helps more listeners find us. That's it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow.